0: that breadcrumb because it is taking you somewhere you might not see it but it's taking you to where your soul wants to be well i have a family member who is a narcissist and someone that i that was close to me from very 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 young and um it's you know when you when you have that in your life at a young age It's hard to see where you start and where they end. And it's hard to see who you are without them being without you being something to them. There's a grieving period because your whole body remembers that in order to stay safe, you need to make sure this person is happy. There's a grieving period because your whole body remembers that in order to stay safe, you need to make sure this person is happy. There's a grieving period because your whole body remembers that if we access the body as the instrument the biological processor of energy and information that it's designed to be then those patterns can go really quickly
1: hello and welcome to the raven scott show and the empath and the narcissist podcast my guest today is anne berube phd Hay House author and spiritual teacher, Anne is a powerful teacher with an uncommon ability to share her story and insights in a way that awakens the inner wisdom in others. She helps people free themselves from the societal and parental conditioning that is holding them back from realizing the highest calling of their soul. Her book, Be, Feel, Think, Do, was published by Hay House in May 2017 and leads transformational seminars and workshops around the world. Through these, she has helped thousands of individuals discover inner freedom and a connection to their own unique source of sustainable happiness. Signature workshops include embodied leadership, come home to your soul, revelations, Lemurian Huna and the celestial seasons and the happy sessions. The celestial sessions and the happy sessions in 2007 driven to share her experience with others and co-founded soul tribe live a social entrepreneur a social enterprise that aims to amplify the voices of inspiring emerging and accomplished thought leaders creatives and healers and support healing and transformation by gathering people to share inspiring content through live experiences her work has allowed her to share the stage with many of her heroes, including best-selling authors, Wayne Dyer, Deepak Chopra, Elizabeth Gilbert, Julie Daniluk, James Van Praag, Anita Morgeny, Gabrielle Bernstein, Neil Donald Walsh, Dr. William Davis, MD, and Greg Braden. A lifelong seeker of wisdom. Her hunger for learning has led her to earn a bachelor of education, leadership focus a master of arts literature from Queens University and a PhD in comparative French and francophone literatures from the Université Bordeaux 3 in France. In addition to her formal education, Anne has studied Vedic wisdom with Dr. David Simon and Deepak Chopra at the Chopra Center in Carlsbad, California. She was initiated into HUNA by... Hawaiian Kahuna Laura Kialoa Yardley. She received certification from Luis Lebrun as a certified well w- WEL Systems Institute Facilitator and completed a course in Neuropsychology Life Coaching under Dr. Amanda Wintink at the Center for Applied Neuroscience. She certainly is a wealth of knowledge She lives with her husband and two children in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. And I'm really excited to get into this conversation with her, see where it leads us in our healing journey as we as empaths are navigating this life through such highly sensitive emotions and feelings. So let's get into it. Oh, uh, hello, Anne. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast.
0: Hi, Raven. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here and to get to have a conversation with you.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting to know you more. Um, I just read your bio um, and the audience heard it. It's just so extensive. It's amazing. I'm very impressed with all of your credentials and schooling. I'm like, I, sometimes I always wish, oh, I wish I like could go back and do this, but then I just don't have time. And then
0: I would be burnt <laughs> out, like your book that's coming out. <laughs> exactly exactly we really don't need more certificates uh we're good we we have everything we need
1: <laughs> yeah we do um I wanted to ask you a few questions um about your background um how in the world did you get to be on stage with a uh, Deepak Chopra obviously he popped out because he's so huge plus you got to study at his facility right
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, um, you know, in my previous life, I say my previous life because it's when I was in my twenties. <laughs> I <laughs> was in. I, <laughs> <like another one. laughs> yeah, it feels like another person. Um, I uh, I was in academia, and you know, I was I just really uh, very driven by my intellect in the sense that uh, I understood who I was when I could you know, show my identity to the world. that someone who's capable, someone who's smart, someone who's intelligent. And I mostly lived my life from... You know my head I actually below the neck I didn't know there was like anything going on <laughs> down there um, I uh, and so but you know one of the things that I really love about academia that I got inspired by was the the conferences like I loved going to conferences and sharing your insights and then having conversations with people to kind of push the boundaries of your own thinking of your own research but what happened midway through writing my PhD is I, I realized I didn't want to write about old French literature theories anymore. I didn't want to speak about, uh, you know, like just kind of dull <laughs> critique books and stuff like that. And I I wanted to talk about real things because I was going through a healing process myself. So I wanted to talk about spirituality and I wanted to talk about what connects us and what makes us, you know, uh, kind of grow and expand and transform. And so I started to do my own little conference. It was very small. It was called the ideas festival here in Nova Scotia. And I had local um and canadian like stars you know like wellness stars and it was it was small we had about a hundred people who would come and um it was great but after the second year i thought i want a big name i want i want someone who's going to you know for for halifax nova scotia where i live and i know i'm really far from you right because aren't you across the country like the country and
1: yes i'm in, in, in California. California.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So as dialogue, diagonal as, you know, as you can be, um, I wanted to bring that to my, to my province where I, where I was living. And so I, I called you know, I emailed, called up different people, like the Dalai Lama's office, and like even like Bill Clinton's office at the time and for the stars. I love it. just <laughs> reaching for the stars, going for it. And really Deepak Chopra is um, the the first one that gave me the time of day is agent. You know, uh, she replied and she said, "Okay, um, I see that you have a bit of experience with conferences. Like, how many people show up at your conferences?" And I'm thinking, "Okay, exaggerate a little bit." And I'm like, "125 people."
1: I wanted to take a quick break from the show to just share with you what I am offering, and I'm so excited to provide. First off. You can purchase my book on Amazon, Empath and the Narcissist, a healing guide for people pleasers. I am creating a course that I'm so lovingly calling, Embracing Your Black Sheep. This is something that's near and dear to my heart, and so I can't wait to offer this to you to gain clarity, to heal from the narcissist and toxic abuse, as well as really tuning into yourself and adjusting your expectations, creating healthy boundaries, being able to say no, and really strengthening your own inner autonomy. These are really trying times and it's important that us empaths are strengthened, are supported, and this is the goal of this course. So if you'd like to join the waiting list and sign up today to get the latest news on when it's being released, which I imagine should be around August, sign up in the link in the description in the show notes the link to the book as well as my merchandise store is also in the link in the show notes i am raising money through my merchandise to help donate to raise awareness for common sense gun laws to stop the heinous free willy-nilly ability to be able to purchase a gun When you're mentally unstable this needs to end and so my merch all of the profits right now are going towards this cause. so go and check out my merch store there's items for children journals shirts hats and i'm constantly adding more to be more of a vocal voice in our society for inclusion can't wait for you to check those out i can't wait to hear from you and now back to the show
0: And she's like, "Oh well, Deepak doesn't speak for less than a thousand people." <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, you know, I was, I was late twenties. Like I don't know why I said that. I said, "Yeah, no problem, I can do it." And 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 I did. And we had like thirteen hundred people who came three months later to see Deepak. And, and then after that, um, we just. You know, I just kept working with, uh, you know, I I worked with Wayne Dyer and I worked with Gabby Bernstein and Anita Morjani, And then eventually my friendship with Wayne Dyer turned into me uh, publishing my first book. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the origin story of how I ended up hanging out with some of these people.
1: That is so cool. (laughs) And you just manifested, and maybe that's the confidence of in, in your 20s. But I think also that's part of it. Like you have a vision, you can manifest it. You're like, sure, we can do this. And of course the name probably attracted a lot more than just
0: (laughs) small Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But then, you know, I had no experience in event production. I didn't have like a degree in that. And I had been a student my whole life. I'd never ran a business or anything like that. So there was definitely doubts from the people around me were like, are you sure you can do this? But I don't know, it might be like, you you might relate to that, Raven, like, when you when you're younger, when you're a child, you already do these things that you're going to do when you're older, but you do them in a different context or like in a different way. And so I was bringing all the kids in my neighborhood together, um, you know, uh, to uh, we would do plays or we do races and we, you know, have ceremonies with medals. And like, I just loved having uh, bringing people together. So I think I think it's you know it was just in me.
1: (laughs) It's a natural talent, exactly.
0: Yes, that's so cool.
1: I love that story. So it just shows to everyone listening that you know when you reach for the stars, you know you'll you'll land upon a little planet maybe, and then that that planet obviously grows. I mean, and becomes bigger and bigger. And yeah, yeah, it's really
0: that's really yeah yeah. And I really think that. When you feel um, inspired to take an action or to do something, even if it makes no sense to your intellect and it makes no logical sense in the, on, you know, the course of the life that you envision for yourself, but you feeling really inspired and really curious and enthusiastic about it, you really should follow it. You should follow that breadcrumb because it is taking you somewhere. You might not see it, but it's taking you to where your soul wants to be. You know where there's a real congruence between um, how you're living and your soul and i think that that's that's a way of living we weren't taught in school like we weren't really shown how to live from intuition and from our hearts and from our soul and so it takes it takes time to really implement that but once you do your life is magical Yes. which I'm sure you have experience with.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's scary to jump out into the unknown. It's also scary to do something that, yeah, on the outside, you have no credentials for, but you had that natural talent to pull people together. And and then for everyone to be doubting you and asking you, are you sure about this and not really being in your corner? I get yes. that. I feel that so much, like with, with my book that I wrote and this you know, whole show, it's like, Nah, what are you doing like this is completely <laughs> different than your you know than your degree but I I, mean, yes. I think we can you have to follow those breadcrumbs and it's, it's it'll be become something someday Absolutely. you just don't know what it is and continue to do what you love and yes. we're multifaceted people so you can still do what you're you have your degree for and do what you're passionate as well.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think the idea is that, I mean, one of the biggest, I guess, you know, fear that I would have would be to arrive at the end of my life, you know, like I'm 95 celebrating my birthday. And I don't want, I don't want to say, I wish I did. I wish I tried. That would, I think that would feel awful. (laughs) Like that would be the worst feeling. And so, and it is one of the top five regrets of the dying, uh, that Bronnie Ware talks about in her book, Mm -hmm. uh, the top five regrets of the dying is I wish I'd live a life that was of my own design, like Mm -hmm. my own life instead of the life that other people wanted me to, to live. And so if, if, if we know that, that that's one of the top regrets, then following those breadcrumbs is the way to, you know, to, to actually celebrating on your 95th birthday and going, Yes, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, I think I what did do something.
1: Yeah, I think I did do something right this lifetime. <laughs> yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. I followed my I followed my heart.
1: That's that's so inspiring. And I love, you know, leaning into that because. Doing what other people expect you to do is the quintessential people pleasing, right? Not really listening yes. to your own heart. And we talk to, to that a lot here because if you're stuck in a toxic relationship, toxic job, honestly, or even something that possibly is an abusive relationship, you are just enabling and pleasing the other person. And you're wasting your life by continuing in that cycle in that rut right and yes to to gain the strength and the self-worth to follow those breadcrumbs out of it maybe you need to release it because let's be honest you love this person like deep in your core but are they really right for you or is this job really right for you and are you just afraid of what's you know on the other side of that dark abyss Mm
0: -hmm. versus yes
1: yeah just being kind of comfortable stuck where you're at
0: Yes. And I think a lot of us on the spiritual path or the awakening path are here for service. Like we feel strongly that we're here to help and to inspire and to, um, you know, create and and be part of empowering people. But a lot of us have a weird definition of what service is. And we think that giving everything we've got or burning ourselves out, you know, or having porous boundaries as part of being a good spiritual person. And, and it's, and I think that's what often keeps us in these relationships, including uh, relationships with our family, which, you know, we feel, oh, I have to stay in this relationship. It's family. Mm-hmm. Well, No. <laughs> you don't because what you're doing is you're kind of modeling to everyone else around you including perhaps your kids or you know even your clients that it's okay to betray yourself and to negotiate with your soul um at, you know when it's family so it is okay <laughs> it should never be okay it should never be okay as soon as we start to betray ourselves and, and negotiate with ourselves we know we're not in a healthy relationship when we know we're not in a healthy um we don't have a healthy boundary with this person and so it's time to it's time to move away yeah
1: and thank goodness that the planets and the energies around us help us in in facilitating that you know sometimes we may feel stuck but for me like I listen to all these different astrology updates And it's like the time is now to break free from whatever's holding you back because, you know, Jupiter and Mars and all this stuff. And I'm like, yes, this is it. And you feel, (laughs) even if you you don't know and you don't follow that, there's something within you that you feel correct, like that's pulling you towards the right path.
0: Absolutely. And I think we haven't really learned how to listen to that voice. We are more adept at listening to our ego, um, our fears, our concerns, our worries, and also other people. Because that little voice sometimes is a little quiet inside, you know, it's just, it's like, do you remember me? (laughs) I'm right here. I've been with you this whole time, but you've been so busy And, uh, you know, you haven't been paying attention, but I'll keep knocking. I'll keep coming back. And then, you know, one day we just end up in a place where we don't have a choice. Either we, you know, we got sick or we lost that job that we wanted to keep or the partner, or we just like hit a wall emotionally. Like, okay, now, now I'm ready. I, (laughs) I have to. I have to take my cues from a different place. It's not, it's not working. All these conditioned patterns and uh, parental beliefs and societal beliefs. They're just, it's not me. And then, you know, and then we ask ourselves, who am I?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who am I really? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. You feel lost. Oh my gosh. I remember when I left my relationship, I was so um, conditioned which is normal and well, you know, uh, what is the right world? Well, giving, right. Conditioned to my family structure. We all are. And then in my relationship, I was also conditioned to be a certain type of person for him because that's, that's really what made him happy. And I was always trying to make him happy so that there was peace. (laughs) And when I left, I was lost. I was like, who am I? How did this happen? Like, I felt like I was Alice in Wonderland that fell down the hole and like (laughs) pop back up in the earth again I was like what literally just happened just happened
0: yeah (laughs) exactly and your sense of identity gets a hit and then you put everything in question
1: yeah and it sounds like we're talking um I can relate when I hear your book that you're um that you can
0: show us the burnout right what's it called again show us
1: the Burnout, Burnout antidote. antidote. I love that. So
0: <laughs> and the subtitle is a spiritual guide to empowerment for empaths, hoover givers in highly sensitive people.
1: Oh my gosh. Hoover givers. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> I just heard that term. Like that me, term me, is, me. Yeah. The term is related to narcissism. And it's so funny that I heard it on, you know, my, my news podcast that I listened today. It's like, it's becoming so mainstream, a hoover. And it's like, "I What is hoover? When I was in being hoovered, I had no idea. It was called hoovered." <laughs> oh, wow. I haven't heard that
0: word. Tell me about it.
1: Oh, it's a, it's a huge keyword in the narcissist community when you're talking about narcissism because ah. it's it's, right? The hoovering is from the the vacuum cleaner company, but essentially the narcissist sees that you're fed up that you see the reality of the abuse that they're starting to lose you and lose control of you or you've actually tried and physically moved out and then they hoover you back in right they suck you hoover <laughs> you back in with their love bombing and their empty promises and their you know apologies that never really are true they're just all manipulative and so all wow. this nice stuff starts to happen to yes when you back over Um, And then you get settled back in with them. And then the abuse cycle again repeats.
0: Starts again. I am glad I know that word now. Thank you for sharing that. It's a great, that's a great word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think when that happens, you need a village. You really need your tribe to to be able to help you remember why you're leaving and how much freedom and joy, they'll be on the other side, even though it's hard right now. I think we need our soul sisters at that time (laughs) to help us remember that.
1: Absolutely. And that's always been my goal with my book, Empath and the Narcissist, to aid in just knowing that you're not alone. Like, that's it. That's all I want. I don't, I don't really want anything else. And so tell us more about your book. What was so I told you about hoovering. So what was your identity with hoovering before I told you what it was?
0: Well, I have a family member who is a narcissist and someone that I, that was close to me from very, very, very young. And, um, it's, you know, when you, when you have that in your life at a young age, It's hard to see where you start and where they end. And it's hard to see who you are without them being, without you being something to them. So their love is conditional. Their love is transactional. And so, you know, what happened to me is I, what I realized is that my burnout, even though I was doing what I wanted to do, it followed my intuition. I was having the career I wanted. I was still burning out. What I realized is that I wasn't, being of service to my community because it was this pure desire inside me i was being of service because i was i needed to be needed
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that came from that narcissistic relationship where this person needed me from the moment i was born mm-hmm. and i was someone to them before i was someone to myself mm-hmm. And so then you grow up and you become an adult that doesn't have healthy boundaries. We have porous boundaries because we think it's normal to let people take everything we've got. We think that's love. We think that's being a good person. But what's happening is that we lose our power. We lose our voice. We lose our energy as well. And so when I was finally able to, to realize that and say, I am, I'm actually not going to answer texts or calls from this person at all anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a grieving period because your whole body remembers that in order to stay safe, you need to make sure this person is happy. Yeah. And But that was the most profound healing journey for me, is to allow my body to thaw, literally thaw from the freezing response of being in this person's presence for a few months, and then just accessing deeper, deeper levels of healing and transformation within myself when the fight or flight reaction of receiving texts or calls or emails from that person was gone. So my whole body could like relax and breathe. And so... That, that was really powerful for me, and that's why I wrote the book, um, because even when we are on our path, we can still burn out, <laughs> right? Because it becomes, it's like an existential burnout. It's at the level of meaning and at the level of identity. Um, and so I do talk a lot in my book about um, the cluster B personality, uh, you know the personality disorders in psychology which includes narcissism mm-hmm. and it's it's not that they're not beautiful people inside it's not that they're not souls that deserve love and but it's not our job to 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 be the the light supplier to their you know never ending yeah. desire for your light That's not our job.
1: That's really interesting. You bring that up because um, we talk a lot about this and that whole light supplier and, you know, they're attracted to you because you have light. They, they are beautiful and they are souls almost seeking for that. Um, And they're seeking something from you and you're seeking something from them, especially when it is someone who is in your life from day one. Because mm-hmm. that is forming your identity and, and understanding of what love is. I love what the Dalai Lama talks about as the mother is the most important role because they're the ones that show true compassion. Now, if you have a narcissistic mother, like a lot of people seem to be expressing nowadays, then yeah, then your, your viewpoint of compassion is skewed, is enmeshed, is porous. Yeah. And so that, that light kind of interaction and seeking and giving and too much. And this is, is very, um, it's like, just like kind of this loop. And if you don't remove yourself from the loop, which I love that you said you absolutely have permission to, which I 100% support and say, yes, you have permission (laughs) to go, go, not go, no contact and to just do what you need to do family or not. You know, blood is thicker than water is something that I was taught, but that blood always seemed to be a bit toxic (laughs) and I'm like, Mm -hmm. but everyone that has water in there over here, like they're supporting me and they're loving me and they have really healthy boundaries. And every time that I try and interact with the blood, it just is so painful. (laughs) Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. And you know, and I talk about this in this book is that there is a very intelligent reason why we were born in these families and that, you know, the what we didn't get as a child is our gift to the world. And so what we what we came here to teach and share and inspire, we decided as a soul before we were born that we would experience the absence of that. So that we could really know the depths of it and then claim it for ourselves, ask for it, you know, ask for that unconditional love, receive it, and experience this descent and, and rising in a way that's so authentic. So then when you're sharing it with people, it's not just a theory you read in a book, your whole body went through it, your whole, whole psyche went through it. And so your words are real and they're contagious and they're inspiring because you're now embodied with that condition unconditional love. And to me, that's the big difference is that a narcissist is disembodied. It hurts too much to be in their body. It's too painful. And so when they seek the light, it's not connected to their light. They're they're not connected to their intelligence, their brilliance, their wisdom. They're operating more up here at the level of the ego and at the level of the heart. The heart is really closed. And so if I'm in a conversation and I'm embodied, then I can really ground myself in my power. But if the other person is not, then they'll just kind of get a little hit and get a little hit. And so if you don't feel grounded enough in your own power to be able to to stay empowered in their presence, then the only solution is is to take time off from that person. But we all know the difference between being in a conversation with someone who's disembodied and you can start to feel your energy drain really quickly. You know, you become almost lightheaded because like, what is happening? It's like, they're just like taking it um, and getting a little hit, but they'll need to come back next week because it doesn't really stay. It's not lasting. It's not sustainable. And then being in conversation with someone who's embodied is like, Owns their own emotion; they're not projecting anything onto you, but they're empowered by their own light and their own presence. And that, the reverence, right? Like holding the other person in reverence, and then do, and then you know they're doing the same thing for you. I mean, that is life giving. That's expansive. That just allows for so much creativity and healing and joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I'm like envisioning
1: all these different interactions I've had with people. <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> yes. the ones when, like, when I've interacted with someone that you're calling disembodied, right? Yeah. Not grounded, connected, like looking outside of, you know, yes. as a source of self-worth or validation or energy. It is yes. always so like, that was the weirdest interaction I've ever had. Like, yeah. Was, like you talking weren't and talking and yes. they didn't ask me any questions. And then all of a sudden they were gone. and I was like, that was yeah. Weird.
0: <laughs> like you were not part of it. You're just observing oh. it. and you're not, there's not this connection.
1: But I do and there's remember, a lot of people like that. <laughs> there are a lot of people like that. And I do remember like, because this person has been in my life, there's actually multiple people, but these people have been in my life forever. And so like before <laughs> I had that reaction of this is a real, that was really strange because I was very grounded before that. I was also similarly looking outside of myself to lift myself worth up. And so it was like a battle, like a competition, like (laughs) they would say something and then I would like chime in and say something. And I'm like, and I walk away from the conversation. I think she heard what I said. And I'm sure the other person thought the same thing. The same thing. That was a really great conversation. I think she heard what I said. (laughs) (laughs) And then now transforming out of that, like, yeah, it's so funny. I just sit back and I, I don't, I don't compete anymore. I just listen. And then I walk away. I'm like, that was really odd.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think I need to see this person again. (laughs) I don't think I need to, to, you know, to, to be in those environments anymore. There's not, it's not necessary. It's not, it's not what my soul craves. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. It is so draining. And so that is part of it. What do you think the burnout like? A lot of I think also it's associated with work or maybe online, especially businesses. How do you um, do you address that in your book, or is this mainly about uh, relationships?
0: So the book is about a crisis in meaning. So it's whatever you know, whatever, um, however you identify, you identify uh, burnout. Um, if you know, if you see it as something that is not intelligent and that is actually your fault and that is you know you get hard on yourself and you are you know thinking oh I don't it's it's because I'm not good at time management or it's not because I you know I, I I'm able to, I'm I'm not intelligent enough or I you know I haven't figured it out like all those things are not true. And so I think sometimes burnout is seen as this thing that you can fix with, you know, time management and you can fix with like a planner or you can fix with, you know, hormone replacements or whatever, I don't know, like diet and like pills, exactly. <laughs> but when the core reason of why you're burning out is not addressed, which which what I've seen is that it's a limiting belief about who you are and what you do in the world and how you show up in the world if that core belief is not addressed, it will continue to take your energy from inside. It really does because it's keeping you in fight or flight. It's keeping you um, protective, like protective in a protective stance. And so you're never really thriving. You're never really in creativity mode. You're in protection mode. And like Bruce Lipton says in his book, The Biology of Belief, you can't be in protection mode and in growth mode at the same time. So the cells in the body are either protecting themselves or they're growing and healing and transforming. And so you can't be both. So when we try to keep at bay, like all the negative emotions we don't wanna feel and all the baggage from our past we don't wanna feel, we also keep at bay the good and the bad, like we're not actually able to receive and to experience the good. Um, And so when we connect with the inner child, that is the source of this belief, right? Because the child needed to protect herself to survive her environment. So when we can connect with her and love her and hear her and face this hurt that she has, and she's finally loved unconditionally, she's loved by you um, in the way she's always wanted, then these patterns, they disappear, these beliefs, they go, they surrender. And then there's this um, tremendous amount of power that comes back into your body, because you no longer have to be vigilant, and you no longer have to have your walls up and protect yourself you, you know, you're safe and you know, you're powerful. It's, um, so that's how I see burnout is that it's the, the book is a spiritual solution to burnout because to me, that's the root you can address the, you know, the, the symptoms of all the roots, but if you don't go to the root, you will um, you'll just have to do it again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Uh, That was one of the most powerful meditations that I ever discovered the inner child meditation. I actually discovered it through Danielle Laporte. And also I have EFT tapping that I do, um, in the meditation playlist on YouTube that I discovered from Gabby Bernstein. So it's like all these beautiful people, they're bringing all of these tools, almost like for a, like, I feel like I'm, younger like I'm not the next generation younger but I'm like in the middle somewhere like and then (laughs) hopefully I'm then passing it down to the younger generations yes god like that was so powerful and I've done it multiple times in a small circle of um people um and some of them I know specifically very close friends she had a very traumatic abusive childhood and she's like it's so triggering for me to do that. But I'm like, if you just push through just a little bit further and then she did and she's like, oh, I feel so much better. Like all of that weight is lifted. All of that expectations and the fears, right, that get passed down from our parents and their grandparents. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. releasing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about intergenerational um, trauma and things like that because you mentioned that also in your bio that you'll have to talk about now i had there's like this debate because my husband's like well you know and he has a, a psych major as well he's like this is just part of a person's psychology is this and you can't um, blame your parents or your grandparents for the flaws that you have you just have to only control what you can control and i say 100 i get that but i do believe that there is a subconscious thing at play right An energy or whatever that has literally been passed down from multiple generations depending on where in the lineage there was trauma or pain in your ancestry what do you think Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely and actually science is showing that now (laughs) uh in with autopoiesis and so um you know an autopoetic approach to psychology says that your genes are you know they can be turned on and off depending on your environment, and so what happened, and then that gets transferred from generation to generation. So if there was, if someone lost a baby, a child, two generations before, when you're pregnant, it's going to come back up. It will. And, and, and when I, when I see that from a spiritual perspective, I know that we come in a lifetime to heal something, either it's from a spiritual lineage or an ancestry or both. And usually it's both and they're connected. And so it means that we are here to heal that at the genetic level. And we have all the tools that we, that we, um, that we need to do the work now that we know that everything that happens to us is wired in our bodies. And if we access the body as the instrument, the biological processor of energy and information that it's designed to be, then those patterns can go really quickly. And that's that's mostly in my first book, is that you can do years and years of talk therapy and get some incremental changes. But you can go in the body, deep breath and attention in the sensation of where things were wired in the first place, in this lifetime, in a past life, in your ancestry, and actually in a quantum moment, completely rewire your body. And now you're not passing it down to your children. It's really, it's changing everything, um, this new biology.
1: I love that. I, like that. I love that I'm gonna have to share with him it is science
0: now it's science it's science and and there's a few there's definitely a few books that are out um I, I don't have it here but there's a few books that are out about that like some kind of you know serious psychiatrists who are saying okay no this is real
1: that's awesome, that's awesome. yeah because sometimes I feel like for me um with the narcissist in my life it was almost just a kind of similar to yours was like, that was kind of what you all are always knew. And I don't think I can really say that my family is, but it's like, you know, it's, it's lineage. Like there have been people in the family in the past, and maybe there's traces and traits of it that have been watered down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's maybe what a lot of people are experiencing is in their life. If they're you know, have an interaction or multiple interactions with the narcissist is always a lesson for our soul. Either it is something that you need to heal generationally,
0: or it's Mm -hmm. for your, your soul. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes often I see, like, if you look back and you do past life work, you usually see that the roles were reversed at some point. And I you're totally learning. Have. Can I share? <laughs>
1: Can I share
0: yes, please, please. No, you totally see that. Uh, yes, I'm learning from this side now.
1: Yeah. So I, it's like kind of a little bit hard to admit, but yes, I've done some past life regressions and I was not a nice person in some past <laughs> lives. Me neither. I was <laughs> very callous. I was very um, like, I just wanted whatever I wanted. And I was not really like super... Um, empathetic or caring towards women and this is like back in the 1700s that i could see and mm-hmm. yeah i just felt like gosh like this is almost like my reverse karma like I, i'm i experienced <laughs> it on the other side so now i i know what both sides are feeling and that's how sometimes I feel like i have a unique way that I haven't really i don't think properly expressed yet in my speaking is like i have experienced that bad side i have experienced the other you know if people want to call it victim side but really like there's there's a combination there that both people are playing and
0: yeah it's yeah it's trippy isn't it it really is and it makes sense to me right because we uh, being human is is all of it right it's all the facets so there's no there's really no judgment at that soul level, and so we could see, like, yeah, I I needed to experience all the side, like every side, you know, in every angle, because as as souls, we're really, you know, it's a very unique time in history where we get to come here and experience our light in the depths of the three-dimensional world and lose ourselves in it so that we can remember and come through nowhere else in the universe can we do that so it's actually such a gift to ourselves that we did that to our souls that we we decided to 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 come here and to experience all of it the good the bad and the ugly so that you know we can actually support people going through it as well
1: yeah yeah and this all is the premise if you're like what is she talking about all these different soul journeys is for me when i read the book um the journey of the soul it just is that that mindset and the premise that we do have multiple lives here on earth and we have past lives and we kind of like regroup and we have soul groups and we kind of figure out like this is my main soul lesson and i failed this last life so let's try again and like let's make this new setup and you know you choose your family i think it's interesting i always was raised that, you know, we don't choose our family and we're just stuck with them. So this is, we need to just love them, right? Like all these different (laughs) earth myths, like blood is thicker than water and you don't choose your family and I am a black sheep who now believes like, um, I totally chose you for this reason. I get it now. Like this was all, this was all a setup, but
0: (laughs) it was all orchestrated.
1: Yes, it was all
0: orchestrated.
1: So that's where we're the premise of where we're coming from. If you choose to believe that I want to investigate further, you can read, who is the author of The Journey of the Soul? I have to look. I've talked about another podcast with somebody. Mm. Um, I can look it up and I'll reference it in the description below. I'll link it. Um, So there was one other thing I wanted to talk before we concluded um, was about, this really piqued my interest. Okay, where was I? I have to find it oh the um you were initiated into huna by the hawaiian kahuna <laughs> because i love ho'oponopono prayer i love all of the ancient indigenous practices and so i was like i need to ask her about that how yeah was that and what is that
0: so when i you know when i kind of made the journey into my body about 20 years ago and i, I had this huge awakening i was so excited by what i discovered. Um, and so, and and I wanted to learn more. And at the time, my teacher, she was teaching Huna, because she she'd learned it in Hawaii from a few teachers. And so, at the same time, my husband and I we got married, and we wanted to go on um, on a honeymoon. And he said, why? And you know, the spiritual work was all new to us. And he said, why don't we go to Kauai? because it's supposed to be the Um, epicenter of the Lemurian continent. And I had been reading about Lemuria had been really relating to how people lived back then. And so I said, yeah, let's do it. And it was kind of out of character for him. Like he's spiritual, but he's very rational too. So I was like, yes, I will take it. Let's do it. And so we decided to go camp for 10 days on the island. And I asked my teacher, do you think you could give me the name and phone number of the woman who is on Kauai that taught you? And she she gave it to me. And and I I shared that whole story in my first book landing there, mm. feeling like I finally arrived home and then meeting her and her telling me, telling us everything about Lemuria and how we used to live and how we were telepathic and how we were like beings. And it was just, I was just listening, like thinking like, where have you been my whole life? Like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then she gave us a session, a hands-on Lemurian Huna session. And, um, and I was hooked, like, and so I went back three times to do two week programs with her. So it's actually a mentorship program. So you it's just me and her. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I I'd get up in the morning, I go cook breakfast with her, and then we would just meditate and she would teach me in the morning. And then we do that for two weeks. And it was, like I never wanted to go to leave. And one time my husband and I did go with my, our two kids and we stayed there for five months and we almost didn't leave. <laughs> and, um, and so, and then, the, you know, I wanted to come a fourth time and she said, nope, now you're ready, go go and teach it. So I do teach a program on Kauai. Um, and, uh, but I also incorporate it in all the, the workshops that I do. But the one I do on Kauai is, um, you know, it's just HUNA. And and it's not the huna of the ancient Hawaiian, it's the Lemurian huna. So it's the huna of the Lemurians, which came from the Pleiades and the stars. And and so this real light ancestry and this memory of your light seed, your light core, your light being, and then all the people that you shared that experience with um, back, back in the Lemurian days.
1: Oh, that sounds so fascinating. I have not heard about that. So I'm excited to learn more and look into that <laughs> one, of your, one of your courses there.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's my very favorite thing to do. Um, it's very uh, energetic and experiential. So um, it's it's not, okay, I'm going to teach you about Huna now. Grab your book and your pen. And, you know, it's like we're all immersed in the wisdom. We feel it. And then we go from there. It's really, it's something else.
1: Mm. Yeah, that sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds so incredible.
0: Well, I really appreciate this
1: conversation today. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and show us your book one more time
0: so we can lock that in. Yes, The Burnout Antidote A Spiritual Guide to Empowerment for Empaths, Overgivers, and Highly Sensitive People. And it has a little rev- uh, quote from Deepak on the front. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Yes. yes. Good. And you can you can find it anywhere online. It's 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 available now for shipping. So. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yes, it's available now.
0: Perfect. So grab your go grab your Coffee. Coffee. Thank you uh, so much for having me, Raven. It was great to meet you and to be in conversation with you yes you as well thank you so much
1: it's great to meet you and share thank you for sharing all your wisdom my
0: pleasure
1: remember everybody to keep your unique light shining